Hey man, go ahead, grab a seat. Well, welcome to Susquehanna Valley Church. My name is Matt, and I am absolutely thrilled to see so many of you. To see you in person again, uh, to see you together again is just incredible. Um, I love it. I'm excited. I hope you're excited too. And uh, just a great day to be able to kind of celebrate some of what God's done. I know we've been stuck indoors or, or just kind of leading different lives a little bit. And it's nice to do something that feels a little bit normal and be excited about who God is and what he's done. So um, just want a big welcome back to anybody who's, who's just kind of joining us and um, coming back for the first time. And want to let everybody know, like if you're a regular SVC attender, we've got an update coming up June 13th. We'd love to have you come out, uh, stay after the service. But uh, man, today is just a day to celebrate what God's done. And we've been in this parable series where we're looking at the parables that Jesus taught and some of the most incredible things he taught. Um, and as I was reading and preparing for this, uh, this particular parable we're going to look at today, I was reminded of a story from my life when I was in first grade. And I was in first grade, and this is like, for those of you who know me, I make a lot of jokes about not having musical ability. This is where it all started. This is where I realized that I was not going to make it anywhere in life musically. And uh, they had band tryouts at first grade, and they called us down one by one. We went down to the music teacher's room, and the music teacher was this older woman who was incredibly intimidating. She was angry on a good day. And I remember going down there and being afraid and thinking like, I don't know if I have musical talent. I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this woman is just, she's been mean to everyone every time I've seen her. And I go into the music room and she's just like got this scowl on her face and she says, what instrument are you playing? And I was like, I, I'm looking around at the instruments. I don't even know what they're called. And like any little boy, I look and see the drums and I'm like, I'm playing the drums. I think I was a little too confident when I said that because she, she took the sticks and she put them in my hand and she said, play. I was like, okay. And she's like hovering over the top of me as I, as I try to play and I, I hit it like tap, tap. And then just with the nervousness, I accidentally hit the, the side of the drums instead of the top. And she goes, no, do it again. I'm like, wow, this is, this is music trials in first grade. This is intense. And I did it again, and I went tap, tap, ting, and she ripped the sticks out of my hands and said, if you ever want to play in this band, you'll play the trombone. <laughs> she got the trombone out, and I'm pretty sure I played the wah, wah, as I realized that I was never going to make it as a musician. She, I'll never forget that moment when she just kind of took the sticks out of my hands, and, and with that took any hope of me ever being a musician away. And, I tell you this story because at the context, the time that Jesus was alive, there's a group of religious leaders that go by the title, the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, they're taking hope away from, from all the people in the, the society, like, like a music teacher ripping drumsticks out of a little kid's hands. And they're saying things like, if you don't obey the law perfectly, then, then you can't be here. You, you, you're an outcast. We don't want you. And and they're pushing people away from God, and, and they're robbing hope from them. And, and Jesus shows up, and, and right before Jesus is John the Baptist, and they're preaching this entirely different message, a message that offers hope to all those who had it stolen from them. And then you got a problem, because all these people who were the outcasts, who were the unworthy and the unwanted, 
all these people are walking past the temple where the Pharisees and religious leaders are to go worship God with Jesus and his disciples. And there's this tension brewing where the Pharisees are wanting to go, hey, Jesus, what's going on? First of all, you're letting these people worship you, and why aren't you sending them to us? And so Jesus tells this parable to get right at the heart of what's going on. It's in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28, and it says this. It says, what do you think, Jesus says, there was a man who had two sons. He went to the first son and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he didn't go and work in the vineyard. Which of these two did what his father wanted? Jesus asked the the Pharisees. And they answered him, the first. And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For For John came to show you the way of righteousness, but you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. Let's pray as we think about what this passage means for us today. Our God and Father, we thank you and we praise you for this beautiful time. We thank you that so many of us can gather here together to worship you, to see kids and, and, and to see adults just give, give evidence of their faith in you through baptism. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just speak to each one of us, that he would move in our hearts so that we would see truth in you and we'd have a passion to know you more. In your son's name we pray, amen. See, in my mind, this parable is kind of Jesus addressing the the elephant in the room. Because all these Pharisees are going, how's this work, Jesus? All the people that we shoved out of the temple, you're making a a following out of. What in the world? And Jesus is coming to them and basically saying, who do you think the real people of God are? Because there's two categories right here. There's the religious leaders who think that following God, they think that hope has everything to do with the rules. And they follow all the rules and they do enough good things, then God's going to let them in the kingdom. And then you've got the others who knew they didn't follow the rules, and yet they're the ones who Jesus is approaching. They're the ones who Jesus is loving and reaching out to because they're convinced, hello, (laughs) they're convinced that God is their only hope. And so we see really what's happening here is is Jesus is upending their entire system of how their society worked. That really it was about who could be a better person based on how many of the rules you could follow compared to everybody else. And so it created this mentality of those who follow the rules would look at those who didn't and say, at least we're not like them. At least we're not like those guys We don't do the things like them. And so everybody else became this opportunity to sort of pat themselves on the back for how good they were. And morality and their integrity became a sort of status symbol to say, I've got life all together. In fact, I don't really need God at the end of the day because I've got it figured out. And Jesus comes along and and he tells this parable about a dad with two sons, and he goes to the first, and he says, hey, are you going to work in the vineyard? son's like, nah, I'm good. Changes his mind later. 
Then he goes to the next one. Hey, are you going to work in the vineyard? Yeah, dad, I'll work. I, I got it for you. Sure. And he never shows up. And Jesus is talking to these religious leaders who followed all the rules. And he goes, you guys are the second son. You're the one who said you were going to follow, but in reality, you never did. It's ironic that you're trying to keep people outside the kingdom of heaven when in reality, you yourselves are sitting outside the kingdom. Look around and see what's happening. Like, I, I just need to clear the water because ever since then and before then, there's been this sort of faulty misconception about, about somebody who, who follows the rules. Like, I, I follow rules. I think that's a good thing to do. But here's the deal. Following the rules, listening to what God commands, these are not status symbols by which you prove how great you are. These are not things by which you, you show God how much he should love you. God gives us commands, and the people who follow them happen to be not better, but you could say more fortunate. They're more blessed because they live an easier life because they follow after God. But in no sense of the idea, are they better than those who don't? And Jesus comes along and he says, you guys think you're better than everybody, and you're pushing them away, and you've missed the point. The people are coming to know God, and they're walking right past you. They're walking right past your temple in order to find him. What does that say about what your life is? He's saying, don't miss the point. See, this was like a religious club. And the religious leaders would be like, oh, what, what do you do? Like, what's your life like? Cool. Um, then you can't come. You're not allowed in. And you don't fit in. Do you ever have a time in life when you didn't fit in? You remember what that felt like? I remember my first real experience. This is like first grade all over again for me today. Going back to the time when I was riding my bike and it was my birthday and my parents gave me a Walkman. Do you remember what a Walkman is? Like if you've got somebody next to you under the age of 20, explain that to them later. And I was in first grade and I thought I was the coolest kid on the block with my red Walkman and red headphones and I was riding around listening to the only tape that my parents gave me which is a tape by, tape by this kid's music artist called Raffi. Raffi did such famous hits as Baby Beluga. And I was riding around in the neighborhood thinking I was the coolest kid until I ran into one of the older kids, third grader, tough stuff. And he sees me with my new Walkman and he can see the look on my face and he, he goes, you think you're all cool because you got that. And part of me was like, Yes, that's true. And then he looks at me, and I'll never forget it. He goes, you're probably listening to like Raffi or something. And I was like, no. And I got on my book, and I rode home. Because I was ashamed. Because I didn't fit in. And that moment where you start to not fit in is something that's just so painful to us. And Jesus tells this parable as he's explaining the fact that all these people who had no home and weren't welcome and were outcasts, he says they still fit into the kingdom. I don't care if they said yet yeah, no initially. I don't care if they walked away from me initially. I don't care if they rejected me initially. They said yes. And they realized who I was. And they fit in just fine 
regardless of what they've done and regardless of how they live. And so Jesus, with open arms, welcomes all those who were pushed away by the religious leaders. Everybody that was, that was written off, Jesus welcomes. Because they changed their mind and they realized that maybe, maybe the vineyard wasn't so bad after all. Maybe what God was talking about wasn't so wrong, wasn't so bad. And they find a home and they find a love. Their initial response was no, but God's heart won them over and they turn around and say, yes, I want to work in your kingdom. And in the scriptures, the idea of working for God isn't the, isn't the way that we think of it. It's not the way the religious leaders thought of it. The scriptures say the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he sent, Jesus Christ. And so look, here's the deal. One of our values here at Susquehanna Valley is that everyone's invited. That everyone, regardless of where they've come from, regardless of what they've been, regardless of what other people have said about them, or how society has labeled them, everyone is invited to faith in Jesus Christ. We base that, par- that, that value off of parables and teaching like this, where Jesus is criticized and he's accused of just watering down the faith. And what he's doing is he's saying, no, the people who you pushed out, I'm trying to let them know that none of this is about how good you are. All of this is about how good God is. And Jesus is about to go to the cross to die on the cross because none of us could be good enough. But any of us through faith can be forgiven of our sins. And we can walk away a life of, of just ignoring God. We can walk away from that and we can, we can demonstrate allegiance to him through faith. And that I'm going to follow after him. Because what this parable teaches is this. Is that when it comes to heaven, when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's never too late. You've never been too bad. And you've never been too broken. Because disobedience and disinterest don't disqualify you from the kingdom of heaven. The good news is that Jesus Christ offers you faith, offers you forgiveness of sins through faith at any point, at any moment. Doesn't matter how disinterested or how disobedient, you're not disqualified. And so maybe you're in the shoes of the son who said, no, I'm not going to work. No, thanks. That's not for me. Maybe, maybe your heart was just too cold towards God. Maybe you said no because you were too busy or you were too distracted or you were too worried about what other people were going to think or whatever the reason you said no, let today be your yes. Let today be the day that you stop worrying about what everybody else said and you hear the news of Jesus Christ who said, whoever believes in me will live even after they die. And so maybe today is your yes. It's the day, that, the day that you change your heart and you accept the forgiveness of sins through, through faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe today is the day where you walk away with hope despite the fact that somebody took it from you a long time ago because Jesus Christ wants to offer you hope and he wants to offer you relationship and life forever with him. Did you ever have something in life that you didn't want anymore? that you wanted to get rid of? Like you were, you were looking, you know, who can, I get, who can I pawn this off on and probably ended up at the Salvation Army or ended up at, uh, you know, you know in, in the trash or whatever. You ever just try to get rid of something? But then part of you thinks like, I wonder if that's actually worth something. 
Like maybe it's like, maybe I'm giving this away, but in actuality, like what if that is actually really valuable? I was uh, reading about a story about uh, a man in, in Columbus, Ohio, who was going through a thrift shop in 2012. And he was looking through stuff and he came across a poster and he was like, you know what, this looks interesting. $14, I'll buy it. Turned out to be a Picasso worth thousands. But somebody didn't want it. Somebody thought it was disposable. Jesus tells this parable to say there's no human being on this planet that's disposable. And he looks at you not with the value of something unwanted, but with the value of a masterpiece worth of art, work of art. And his offer is quite simple. Believe in me and you'll be forgiven of your sins. You know, as we, as we get to the point in our service this morning where we're going to do some baptisms, and I'm incredibly excited about that, Baptism is not that these people, these kids, or whoever's in here, it's not that they are perfect. It's not that they've got all the things in life figured out. It's that they're saying, Jesus Christ did something incredibly personal and powerful for me. He died on the cross in place of me, and he paid for my sins, so I have life again.